Hi, everybody. It is Wednesday evening. It's Black Blockchain Consultants Blockchain Chat. And we have with us this evening a very special guest, um, Alistair Katniss. Is that right? Kat Katniss? Am I pronouncing yeah, the last Keith, name? Keith Nash. Keith Nash. Keith Nash. Keith Nash. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Forgive me. And we certainly have our esteemed um, panel here. Um, you know, I'm Dr. Dr. Keisha, affectionately known as Dr. Keisha, Dr. Keisha Waddell, uh, Executive Director of the Center for Blockchain Studies, where blockchain education meets um, blockchain app, uh, opportunity. Did I get that? I think I messed that up. Blockchain education, <laughs> blockchain opportunity. <laughs> That's our tagline. Felicia made it. I, just, I love it, but I think I messed it up. <laughs> But anyway, um, definitely, you know, use some of this COVID time, this quarantine time to learn blockchain. We'll be talking about blockchain technology and tokenization and the like. Um, make sure you get to uh, blockchainstudies.tech and take us up on our Blockchain 101 course to learn all about blockchain and its application for numerous industries. Um, uh, uh, just to take it away there, you want to introduce yourselves, Eric or Talisha, before we get into our guests directly? Yes, I am the highly caffeinated Eric Spence. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, President of Blockchain Consortium International, um, lover of all things tokenization. So I am absolutely looking forward to this discussion um, with Alistair. And I am Talisha Shine. I'm the VP of Blockchain International. Also an inner circle member here at BBC. So we are definitely looking into getting into the conversation. So let's jump right on in. Let us do so. All right. So Alistair, we were talking, you know, prior to really getting on live, live here, we were kind of talking about, or you were letting us know about what you're, what you're into. I know I've done a real research and certainly all of us know already. Uh, uh oh, do we lose you? Yeah, yeah, it just came out there just now, so I think oh, it's back okay. in. Okay. Um, all right, but well, we were introducing you at this point, or allowing you to do so. Your turn. Oh, is it me, though, Okay, so perfect. Yeah, so my name is Alistair Keithnitz. I'm the CEO. Yeah, I'm the, the CEO of Sign Energy. Um, uh, our company is involved in nice energy assets on the blockchain. Uh, we've launched Zinecoin, which is, uh, let me say, an asset back token. So we're back against uh, oil and energy reserves. And um, I'm also a chief blockchain policy advisor for the Libertarian Party for AmeriCoin. Are you getting all that? Yeah, we got all of that. That is it's so exciting. Perfect. I'll tell you, it's just refreshing to just hear blockchain and party together or politics working together. I don't know about everybody else on the on the panel, but that is exciting to me. And we certainly know that the libertarian ideology is really lines up with uh, the blockchain community in the sense that, you know, we're looking at decentralization and uh, independence and, uh, you know, sovereignty of, of information, that kind of stuff. So, yeah. Um, so can you tell us a little more about your... Um, the so, yeah, I'll, I'll explain a bit like Zinecoin. So if you think of what we are doing as uh, Zine, so we're tokenizing energy assets on the blockchain or we're tokenizing oil. Mm -hmm. 
So when people think about it, tokenizing oil, we're not, we're not actually tokenizing the product oil, we're tokenizing the financial structure. So what we're doing is we're taking the financial, you know, an oil producing asset, all the infrastructure, putting it into an SPV, which is a special purpose vehicle. I don't know if you guys know about this stuff. And from there, it's basically tokenized and providing democratization. So this is what we are doing. So why are we actually doing it? Well, the way people have held on to interests in oil producing assets hasn't changed over the last hundred years. So essentially, if you were going to invest in an oil project, it would probably cost you anywhere between thirty to fifty thousand dollars. It would allow you to come in with a minimum small investment. But what's the problem is, so I say I put $50,000 into an oil project. I might own 5% of this project. As this um, producing asset now produce oil, and you're getting distributions on a quarterly basis based on how much oil they've sold at the price. Now, this asset can provide you distributions for, say, 20 years. Are you getting all this, Dr. Keisha? Oh, I yeah. am. Yeah, okay. So, uh, sorry, it's just thought I was speaking myself there. So, it was, um, so essentially what it's doing is giving you distribution for 20 years. But here's the problem, and this is what blockchain solves. What's the problem is with that 5% ownership is if I ever needed to sell that asset, how would I sell it? And then what would the value of that asset be? Bearing in mind like oil produces high at the first when it hits an oil producing asset, then it's a long curve that goes all the way down. So the problem is that you'll never, because you own a sort of um, an interest in the project, but you're not the majority holder, you're a minority holder of this project through an interest in it. So what we're able to do through the blockchain is we're changing this working interest, that's what it's called, a working interest, and then rather than a percentage, which you can't sell, we're actually tokenizing the whole project we're converting your 5% in the oil project into tokens. And because of blockchain, and we're going to create a trading platform, we're allowing you this ability to sell your working interest through tokenization. So rather than own 5% of the project, you might own 10,000 Titan pipeline tokens. Now, with those 10,000 Titan pipeline tokens, after you've held it for 12 months, which is under the Red D506C it's the same security laws. I don't know. Do you know anything about the, the securities laws in America in mm -hmm. terms of investing in assets? Mm -hmm. So just a, a quick insight to some of your guys. So basically is if people invest in a project, it has to be accredited investors. Uh, they're invested under 506C regulation. If you invest from out with America, it's called Regulation S. So essentially what's happened is the SEC have created security tokens. So they've, they've created the tokens themselves. So what you're doing is you're changing the ownership structure of the oil producing asset. So rather than 5%, you now own 10,000 Titan tokens. And we're going to have a platform where you can actually sell these tokens after the 12-month holding period. So what tokenization is doing is providing liquidity for an asset you can't get the money out of. Now, a lot of people, when they think about blockchain, they're thinking, you know, is it going to, is, is it going to be like this new revolution, like the internet to change things? I think it's going to change things in so many different ways. And I'm sure you discuss it each week. But for your audience out there, they're thinking, well, it just sounds pretty much the same thing. But what it really is the same thing. We're not changing how you produce oil. We're just changing how the ownership structure of this 
interest changes from having 5% where you can't sell this asset to now it's in token format and you've got an exchange to sell it. So this is where the liquidity comes from. And this is the beauty of security tokens, because essentially now you've created a system whereby the money isn't locked into the life cycle of the project. Because with your 5% with a working interest, you, you know, because you're a minority shareholder in the project, you can't dictate to the operator when they should sell. So the only time you normally do get bought out is if the operator sells the project onto somebody else. So under tokenization, the beauty of what we're going to do is we're going to unlock the liquidity, and this will provide liquidity in the market. But then again, better with tokenization, we call it like democratization of ownership. So what you're doing is rather than people are coming in at $50,000, through the blockchain and tokenization and democratization of ownership, people will be able to invest in energy projects, and we're making the limit at $500. So what you're doing is you're opening up this world of energy producing assets to the general public for the first time, where they're now able to think, well, wait a minute, I might want to own a percentage of this asset. And this asset is going to give you distributions. And this distribution is based on what the oil's got. So in that way, it's still working like the traditional model. The difference is now you can actually sell it. Yes. Yes. Awesome. Uh, Alistair, now, listen. <laughs> Um, you're a libertarian. So, you know, knowing that you very much believe in, you know, the, the democratization of finance and just allowing, um, you know, all of, you know, humanity to be able to, to participate in the global financial system. Um, now, one thing, of course, you know, launching through Reg D, um, which, you know, only allows for accredited investors. And we know that there's a minimum threshold for, uh, just, you know, network and income. Um, have you considered, though, uh, launching a Reg CF project that would allow unaccredited investors to be able to participate? Yeah, we, we've done two Reg A offerings in the past for shares. So we've done Reg A offerings. So we've got non-accredited investors coming in. It's just the ability to sell security tokens we're doing through Reg D. There's actually a company that's qualified under Reg A, Overstock, that's, uh, I think it's Overstock's the name, that they're now taking uh, non-accredited investors. So I think this, it's a, just a transition. The market will open up. Once the proper trading exchanges are actually operational with more tokens, I think it'll open up for everyone to come in probably in the next 12 to 18 months. So it's just the, the thing about Reg D, it's just when you're doing a Reg A, the cost of getting that through is so much higher because you have to go through the qualification process with the SEC. And yeah. Reg A shares, because there's been a number of Reg A's done in the past of doing it, with the security tokens, it's uh, there's only been a handful through. But in going forward, there's going to be more and more uh, Reg A security token offerings as well. So in a way, we're opening up for just a market develops as well. But really what we're doing is, because we're working through a process um, and doing it for the first time, we've obviously done a Reg D because it allows us to do the tokenization process. So so our white paper that's just, it's going to be published next month in financial journals. It's in conjunction with the University of Florida and researchers from the World Bank. And they've actually written about our company, Zion Coin, as a process. 
So the reason I got into the Libertarian Party in AmeriCoin is off the back of this white paper and tokenization, because we're sort of the first financial paper that's ever been written about the subject area and democratization of ownership. It's, it's a technology change, I think, that people aren't aware of, you know? And it's this ability that's coming through that people don't understand it. They don't, they don't understand. It's like people want to know how it works. It's like we don't really know how the internet works. You know, we sort of do. But if you had to write it in 50 words, it's quite difficult to do. You just use it every day. You know, sometimes bandwidth good, sometimes it's not so good. Because of COVID-19, it's got slower because we're all online the whole time. But essentially... What's happening is you just use it. The blockchain is going to be the same thing. As the use cases increase, we'll just keep using it more and more and more to the point that we don't actually have to understand how a decentralized ledger works. It's like me and my car. I get in my car. I don't think, how does the carburetor work? How does the carburetor work? How does the carburetor work? I just turn the ignition and drive, you know, and it'll be the same with this technology, I think. No, I do agree with that. I, I mean, uh, I, I do see that happening um, very much. And, and let me just say, too, you know, even though we are talking about technology, this is also going to be, um, it's going to shift society um, in a lot of ways, especially when we start talking about democratizing finance and giving people access um, to, you know, systems and ways of producing revenue that they were previously caught up from. So, um, I definitely see it's massive. It's it's massive, you know, and I'll just it's the opportunity for so many people to get into it now and learn about it. Yeah. yeah. Yes, absolutely. So, you know what? Yeah, and certainly because you're in the uh, political sphere now um, and, 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 you know, we've been covering, you know, what blockchain blockchain is and blockchain technology use cases for some time now. The biggest blo uh, block we're seeing here, you know, is regulation. So someone's got a question here. They want to know what type of blockchain policy policies you'd like to see. So what's the question? Blockchain policies I'd like to see. Mm -hmm. Just the like regulations. Yeah, well, yeah, because obviously a lot of the regulations are that are, that exist presently are blocks to adoption. So what types of uh, types of regulation or changes in policy uh, would you like to see to enable an adoption? So, so, so the biggest one, that, yeah. So the biggest one, obviously, is the one I'm working on with AmeriCoin. So I've explained to people there how uh, ZineCoin works. And because we've written this white paper, it's not because uh, I've been in the Libertarian Party around about 16 weeks. A friend, Adam Kokesh, who was originally running one of the roles for president, he got me in to develop the policy for him. So that's how I got involved in this. And he wanted to have an underlying cryptocurrency to replace the dollar. That's what the Libertarian Party want to do. Realistically, eh, I can't offer them that. What I can do is, when he got me involved, is, is democratizing ownership of the federal assets. So it's America. I've actually been reading the Constitution. You, know, you come to America, it's in the Constitution. I've actually been reading the Constitution, the original one. So when it was originally written, it was actually written because they wanted to take away ownership from King George of England. Mm -hmm. You know, and it was actually, I think, 10 years after the, um, um, I think it's 1788 was actually, or was that the day of the Constitution written? Anyway, the, the bit that I always read about was that the federal assets don't belong to the government and they don't belong to the king. And then the king, obviously King George, because he owned it up to that point. They don't belong to the king and they belong to the people. 
So if you think, okay, that's in the original constitution, that's why you've actually written that. So now we're looking at that, okay, you fast forward 200 years, a third of the land in America still belongs to the government. You're talking over 640 million acres, okay? So 640 million acres. Now, you're trying to work out the, the worth of that as an asset. That asset is worth, according to Wikipedia, $269 trillion. But I've spoken to guys that are citing it between 200 to $300 trillion. If you go to the Wikipedia, go to the reference section, there's all different ways. But you're talking about all the mineral energites, all the timber, everything that's actually produced by that asset. So until the blockchain came along in tokenization, there was no way to change ownership of the asset from the government owning it to the people owning it. So even though they say it belongs to the people, because there's no system in place to provide ownership, then you can actually get distributions of this asset. So people think, oh, well, how will that affect me with taxation? It's nothing to do with taxation. You get taxed anyway to pay for what happens with the government. This is just the asset that they actually own. So what we're doing with AmeriCoin is we're taking that asset and through tokenization uh, and setting everyone up with a smart, wall, uh, a smart digital wallet, and this is just an app in your phone, when you can set this up now. I've done research on it. I'll tell you the companies Coinbase can do it. There's another company can do this, Ledger. So they're the two leaders. Ledger's the leading company that does the, the crypto financial industry assets, and Coinbase is the leading wallet holder in America. So both of those companies I've spoken to is if we actually provided distributions to the American people. So you would actually say, well, wait a minute, why does the government own the asset? We don't actually own the asset, the people own the asset, but the technology's not been in place for allowing us to have ownership. But through AmeriCoin in setting this up, we can tokenize the asset and provide di distributions to the people under the same method that we've done with ZionCoin. So that's how I got involved in this. But you start looking at $269 trillion divided by everyone in America. Now, the way Adam Kokesh wanted to develop it was that everyone who had a social security number or a tax ID number, they would actually have ownership of this. So this is how you can actually distribute ownership. So that anyone who's over the ages of 12 and up to get a social security number, anyone who's coming to America that's still not become a citizen who's got been able to work with a tax ID number. So they're paying taxes. So what you would do is everyone who have these sort of mechanisms to paying tax, you would now get distributions against the asset. So a lot of these articles, when I was talking about uh, bailing out Main Street, and they were published in different ones, really, rather than the government keep borrowing money, because we're going to have to pay this money back through taxation, by the way, this $3 trillion in the next $3 trillion, you're going to have to pay that back. I know people at home think, I've got the furlough coming and I got another check. You know, you're going to get taxed, pay this back. What I'm saying is we take the asset, we tokenize the asset, we provide distributions to people. And then, you know, your, four, your families over these generations have actually paid in to build this asset anyway. All I'm saying right now is the technology is allowing you to get ownership. And to me, if they implemented that as a policy, you know, there's so many different things it could actually fix. Absolutely, to be sure. So, so that's... Are you pick up okay, Dr. Keisha? Oh, yes, absolutely. I do hear you loud and clear. Okay, so it's so if you look at that, so so the more I start to look into this and start to research it, you know, it, it's it's a policy that will actually end poverty. So you look at, you know, Dr. Martin Luther King. So, you know, I, I've followed him a long time. So, you know, the civil rights movement is actually what he's been there. But the last two years before he got assassinated in 1968, he was 
basically all about ending poverty. And that was one of his policies. And it was the poverty across. And he started looking at inner city areas and the federal government in inner city areas. So the problem with the funding of federal government right now is because they've set this up in inner city areas, and this is across all race classes, whatever that comes there, but basically you're creating a system whereby it's high unemployment, high in crime, and very difficult to get out because of lack of opportunity. Mm-hmm. So this is why that even if you gave universal basic income, it's like, how is this going to, you're going to say, well, they get $1,000 a month, well, they get $1,200. It's like, it's still not going to get out of the area because of inflation and everything else. What I'm talking about is taking this opportunity to basically democratize ownership of federal assets, which actually goes back to the constitution that belongs to you. And because of blockchain technology, we can provide distributions to people. And you could provide distributions to people at 4,000 AmeriCoins. I worked out, if we 4,000 AmeriCoins to everyone in America for eight months, and now people go, oh, what's this AmeriCoin? Does it replace the dollar? It doesn't replace the dollar. We benchmark the AmeriCoin against the dollar. I don't but you know, with benchmarking. So for anyone out there who's watching, uh, it would mean that the, the price of AmeriCoin would be benchmarked. So it would always equal a dollar. And we'd start to tokenize the asset and provide distributions to the people. So this is basically doing tokenization. It doesn't replace the government. And a guy's popped up there. It's taking back power away from the government through blockchain. And to a certain extent, it's just taking back ownership of the asset. It's not going to solve all civil problems. It's not going to solve everything that's going to happen. All the social problems will be there after the next thing. All I'm saying is that we can get ownership of the asset. But if you start looking at inner city areas, to suddenly provide people this ownership, it would be massive. And to other people out there, it's a bit like a savings bond. Mm -hmm. You know, I was trying to explain. Older people will think, oh, I don't understand it. It's a bit like a savings bond. You're given these 4,000 AmeriCoins. They sit in a digital wallet in your phone. You can convert them to any cryptocurrency or you can convert them to US dollars or you can leave them there as an asset. It's like your house. If you own your house and you're lucky enough to own your house, you don't try and sell it every week. You know, It's the same with AmeriCoins. We're just meaning that all the federal land you see, you have fractional ownership of that. And, that, and you have a fractional ownership of an asset which is actually going to make money and give you distributions. And to me, what I'm talking about now is a policy that I think will get enacted in 2028, 2032. Because of COVID-19, people are interested to learn about it now. Andrew Yang spoke about universal basic income. I think this has taken it to a more sophisticated level going forward. He probably knows a lot of the stuff I'm talking about, but he had the, he's the first guy that's come out and talked about this way of using cryptocurrency as a, a way forward to take people across the poverty line and through that, you know? And it's it's a real capitalist way to provide a sort of socialist policy. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting too, because um, part of the thing that I don't know if everyone saw with Andrew Yang, but he cited Alaska who does have kind of a UBI for the citizens there and the, the, the dividends there are paid from the energy, from, from the oil pipeline, correct? And, and, and I guess, you know, for, for looking at your plan now, you're talking about tokenizing the federal assets themselves, which is interesting too, because we have seen where the federal government has like, you know, from some people's point, seeing them kind of encroach and acquire more and more land in you know states like a states like nevada um but you would say that that basically the assets and the money it's already there it just needs to be tokenized into this form and now distributed into all of the citizens 
Yeah, and we just own the asset. And it, to me, it's like, I'm not saying replace the federal government or do everything else. No, a lot of libertarian policies want less government. All I'm saying is we can take away the ownership. Exactly that. So we own that. So if, the, if we are happy with the federal government and the guys running the government in the way they want to do, that's fine. It's just that we all have ownership of this asset. And for a lot of people who are wealthy, they're not going to want to do this because essentially they're making money off the federal assets in such a huge way, like we spoke about earlier, Eric. It's just it's a very small percentage of people doing this. All I'm saying is I'm opening this up to everyone else. And then people say, but some people will go and they'll turn their amount of coins into cash and spend it. So what? You know, that's up to them. I'm mm-hmm. not saying to do that. You, you give the people the choice of doing this. It's like, and then people say, well, they'll never want to work again. I was speaking to my friend, uh, Alan Moore in Scotland. Hopefully he's plugged into this today because I was telling him. And he goes, I'm being, he's a structural engineer. And he said, I've been at home nine weeks. I'm just bouncing off the walls, so furloughed. I'm ready to go back to work. He goes, I'd go back to work for free because I'm so bored. So this thing of like, we can't give people money because they won't go back to, people want to work. Don't forget about that. So the whole world won't stop working because of that. And then certain jobs will get paid more money because certain people don't want to do this. But, you know, that's just the way of the world. But at the end of the day, you've been paying money into taxation. You've been doing this. Now the technology's come along to say, wait a minute, this asset, I can have my little piece of this. Yeah, why not get my piece? And with that, it would create, because to me, universal basic income is about survival. And when I talk about AmeriCoin, I'm talking about it's a, it's basically a restart button to live the American dream. So, you know, I make videos and actually speak about Martin Luther King and go back and I've been watching a lot of his videos and what he talks about. And I'm speaking about in poverty and talking about that and changing of poverty because it's poverty is the key for me. It's like that's what I'm sort of thinking about. So it's to me, that's the, the big thing that he sort of enacted. And I look back to think. You know, how would he manage 50 years ago to think there's this technology called the blockchain that creates democratization of ownership that can end poverty? Really, it's a technological advancement that's going to take as poverty for people. And it's about allowing this to happen. And it'll be like the Great Leap Forward. We can take everyone out. Yeah, people are still going to be drug addicts. People are still going to have social problems. People are going to have all the same problems before. I'm not talking about replacing that. All I'm saying is... Yeah, this asset you can have access to, you've been paying into all your life and your grandparents and your father and mother and all your family, you know, it's just time to take it back. And that's essentially what we're trying to do with America. Interesting indeed. Yeah, so I, I, and what I'm hearing from you too um, is like with your example about uh, Martin Luther King, I would think that his, his push would be really education, education about the technology for just those purposes so they can, people can understand that it, it does allow for, um, you know, you, folks to, and, and in this case, it would be Black Americans to have uh, control over their own economy. Because um, as you said, it's, this will certainly coexist with the American dollar. Um, it's not replacing the dollar. It's just the and people see this is their argument. This is the government's argument. It's too technologically advanced. We can't understand it. It's mm-hmm. like you know, here's my phone right now. If you've got an Apple wallet or if you've got your credit card in your phone, you're actually using a digital wallet. Digital wallet. So for, that's first argument is you, you're actually using one. So how, how does the next stage work? All I need to do is download an app. So I can download an app like Coinbase, which is a digital wallet, or Ledger has their digital wallet, and you download an app, and you've got this digital wallet there. Now, the government can provide distributions directly into this, 
And then both of these wallets, and this technology is in place, they can provide you the opportunity to convert that into any fiat currency or any cryptocurrency. And that includes US dollars. Mm -hmm. So people don't really need to understand the process. They just need to understand how they can access it. And that's the thing that, and that's the, the leap forward of what the, and then I'm not saying let's tokenize it all, let's do this. I'm saying let's tokenize 3% of it. Like 3% of the federal assets and give them back to the people. Mm. And there's no reasonable argument. Even the constitution, the, the, the very first words in the constitution you've written was to basically take it back from King George. So right now is, take, no, no, let's go fast forward 250 years. And then suddenly it's like, Oh, there's technology now you can provide ownership of this. And I, I reckon everyone in America could actually work it out. If your granny was actually, I don't know, oh, you call them grandmas here, but your granny in Scotland, if you would just say, yeah, basically, right, you don't have to worry about this granny. All you need to do is download this app. I'll come around, plug in your social security number, doing that. And this month, you're going to get these AmeriCoins and you can just leave them there like a you know part of a fund or you can click a button and you can convert them to U.S. dollars and go and spend them in the store. You know, that's basically it's uh, that's a way to actually do it. And that's all this thing. I spoke to Ledger. I spoke to financial guys Ledger. They said it's five days to set this technology up. Do it. It's not like it's it's already in place. It's just you know. But we're all speaking about it. Is the federal government going to be happy about us doing this? No. And then the other problem they do is once they start to bring blockchain. See the other reason. The federal government doesn't want blockchain to encroach into their business circles is is because of transparency. See, mm -hmm. most people out there right. don't know about the blockchain is that what the blockchain does is even if it's on a permission blockchain, which is you're controlling this sort of everyone involved in it, mm -hmm. it's still put out there and you can't actually edit it. You know, so suddenly once blockchain goes into government, then we can call them accountable for their decisions. Because right now with COVID-19, 100,000 Americans have died. You know, who's in charge of COVID-19? Well, according to President Trump, it's Mike Pence. Mike Pence, you've got to deal with this problem. It's like, you know, it's a, it's a pandemic. <laughs> That's your problem, you know. He has to deal with it. It's like, have you seen one policy document from Mike Pence and how we're getting out of it? You haven't seen anything, you know. It's just like it's there, whereby we can hold them accountable for their decisions, and then we can go back and reference that. And governments don't want to be held accountable because yeah. they basically want to be able to manipulate and change things. Just like the government controls you. It's a different way. And I'm not one of these conspiracy theories because I believe it's good to have government involvement because otherwise, you know, you get these sort of people, you know, anarchy type scenarios. But the problem with that is it's like people aren't going to buy into that. You know, it's just like, well, everything's going to be better as a human race, less government, we'll all look after each other better. Well, let's hopefully that's the case. But you need a sort of staged process to let this happen. What I'm saying is let's start with the asset, there's ownership of it, you know, and then, and that's really the policy that I've been involved in developing. Hey, hey Alistair, do, do you already see this, like this model uh, with AmeriCoin? Um, maybe working in some other country first before. Oh yeah, yeah. It's so the very first. So the very first white paper written about was Venezuela. So Venezuela, and there was going Venezuela, a socialist country. You know, I actually met the guy. Well, I've spoken to the guy who wrote the white paper. He was a Jewish guy from New York. Eh? <laughs> so it's like, but he wrote this. But the problem was the Venezuelan government did it to sort of get around U.S. sanctions to sell off. 
But this was the first one of where, and they called the petrol. So if anyone's out there, you can Google the petrol white paper and you can read a white paper mm-hmm. in this thing. But the problem is, it's like, like any other socialist government, I don't want to speak about, you know, socialism, capitalism policies, but really they set this up whereby, you know, in theory it was right, but the problem was that the government owned all the cryptocurrency, all the petrol. Mm-hmm. So they owned it all. So all I'm saying with AmeriCoin is we date the same uh, system and then we obviously develop it. It's more tokenization than rather just a straight cryptocurrency. And it's a development of their sort of policy. But now we're providing ownership to the people. So rather than just the government owns the whole cryptocurrency as one, we now own the tokenized asset, AmeriCoin cryptocurrency, asset-backed cryptocurrency, uh, democratized as a people. So even when we write this white paper, I think countries like Iraq and Iran and other countries across the Middle East where they sit a lot of oil, Libya is another one, and um, for their people to get access to ownership of that as well. So it's because if you start going into those countries, you know, the government dictates things a lot tighter than America has a lot less freedom of speech. And there's a lot poorer people than there are here in terms of, the you know, medium access to all different types, you know, death rate, everything's lower. So it's uh, so it might get so to me like I write the American policy we get it in financial papers if people start to read it other countries will start to look at this policy document there's a friend of mine that's uh, Giovanni that's uh, involved in blockchain the Italian government and he's looking at Italia coin as a concept of doing it as well so I just think that countries start to put it out there there'll be one country will run with it and then once this democratization of ownership happens really america should lead the way because america's always been the sort of land of the free and it's not come from historic government ownership you know mm-hmm. and you know if you go back to uk it all comes back from the royal family owning the the country and the, you know, the british empire and all this type of thing you know, the, the British have invaded 93% of the world. You know that? It's like, that's so bad, isn't it? You know, British, <laughs> British, Great Britain, Empire, 93% of the world. It's like, you know, that's just nearly all of it. So it's, uh, and that's people in a concentrated space having ownership. And obviously the thing with America and United States was this ability for people to come in and have this land of opportunity. And to me, it's just, this is just the next stage. So it would be great for America to do this, you know? And then you're supposed to have President Trump, who's supposed to be a business uh, guy who's there to represent the people, uh, or so he says, well, you know, this is a policy you should enact. Biden, you talk about being in areas for inner city development. You know, I, I saw his last podcast, he did. Again, it's just like, there's nothing new. That's what he came out and said at the back. You know, you're telling me stuff you said 15 years ago. What's something new? I'm just saying that if this is a policy that these guys should actually think about enacting now, because otherwise, people are going to have to, they're going to be in trouble for the next 10 years. See, President Obama came out in 2009 or 2008. 2009, the first thing he'd do is borrow $800 billion to bail out the banks. And I argue people that Obama had to borrow money. Well, he, it wasn't his fault. He didn't come in, he didn't do the banking crisis. He was forced to borrow $800 billion, you know? And that $800 billion meant that people had to pay that back over the next six years. And for that six-year period, it was stagnant growth, especially against lower areas in America. You having to pay back the money you've borrowed. That's how it actually works. Right now, Trump's run up $3 trillion. The Democrats want to borrow another $3 trillion. That's like $6 trillion. Everyone's, it's all this money's coming from. We're borrowing $16. We're going to have to pay this back. 
essentially we're taking a $6 trillion loan on for no fault of your own, which is going to leave you sued for the next 10 years. You know, it's just like, oh yeah, that's all happy. All I'm saying is, let's not keep borrowing money. We've got an asset. Let's tokenize the asset, have the distributions and give everyone an opportunity to live the American dream. And it's like, to me, it's like the technology's there. I, I think sometimes I think too much black and white and try not it. If you saw on the political channel, you see them involved in all sorts of stuff. But basically, it's like, I think like that. I just like, that's the way I think in terms of any, you know, I think a lot of people involved in blockchain and uh, Bitcoin are all ADHD anyway. You know, my oldest boy's uh, autistic, so I see a lot of the similarities in what I do. I'm definitely on the spectrum. So it's like, it's, you know, so you're thinking like that. But that's what actually happens. And to me, it's like, this is the right thing to do. The technology's there. Why don't we do it, you know? Agreed. Yeah, it's definitely still there. <laughs> yeah. It's and, like, well, I, I think that probably, you know, you know, for probably the biggest hurdle is when you are in such a, you know, heavily partisan environment that we're in now, we've been in for some time, it's going to be just how do you get everyone on board? Um you know, to really cooperate and to make sure that this goes through. It's, it's, you've got, it's a, it's a bit people need to think about it. Cause I think it like a policy document. I'm not here to convince uh, Republicans and Democrats to vote libertarian. I'm just saying that this is a policy document that should be enacted now to benefit you both. So really once you've enacted AmeriCoin, you go back to, you know, trolling on Twitter and LinkedIn and Facebook and all that arguing amongst each other. And that's basically what it is. The people love that, you know, and they just, they look for an argument. They look for the comments. They're not even caring about the videos, the comments. Because oh. I want to go in and argue with you back and forward. I, I'm not there to change your policy. Wherever the way you believe is the way you should believe. I'm not there to think about that. All I'm thinking about, here's a policy that if you could just stop for one minute and think about it and think the opportunities would happen off the back of this, as, you know, it could revolutionize so many things. And when people say, oh, well, well, you know, we only do this once, it'll happen. Well, what are we waiting for? There's new technology that's coming along. Why don't we just do it now in 3% of the asset? Why can't we just do that for like eight months to see what happens? Give people opportunity. People are going to work. And then people will get paid more money. It's like, so in America right now, when you open up, you know, you're saying back to people in Scotland, it's like you go down to McDonald's. So people are going to have to work in McDonald's for like $7 an hour in California. And you're seeing someone every, you know, two people a minute. So with coronavirus right now, essentially, you're basically seeing 120 potential uh, coronavirus carrying people, you know, every 30 seconds. And then you need to go back to work for $6.50 an hour. It's a bit like high risk money for people to go back. And I, I know what's going to happen is if we start getting distributions like that, people would still want to go do that because they want the social interaction to work. Yeah, they're not going to get paid $6 an hour, especially if they've all got money at home. Well, I'll maybe have to pay more for a cheeseburger or whatever. But basically, we'll give this person more money, but people will go back to work. It's just like, that's the, that's, that's the other government act that argues. Everyone will just think, we'll get, they'll never want to go back to work. No one will ever work in. People are back home right now, not able to get out, and they want to go to work. They're basically rioting in the streets to go back to work. And a lot of them is not because they've not got money. It's because they feel like they just want, they just don't want to sit they, in their house the rest of the day. They need purpose. So yeah, so Alistair, so thinking about jobs and such um, and understanding the 
you know, the uh, capabilities that blockchain provides, what type of positions do you think we, you know, that will come out of this, I guess, um, thinking about tokenization of assets, what kind of jobs or, or, or um, paths I, I think, that I, I think maybe out of these use cases that you're considering? I think for a lot of they're cutting costs. So you're going back to the oil and gas side of things. It's like there's a company called Data Gumbo that's doing um, smart contracts on the blockchain. So what these guys are doing is they're running projects on the blockchain whereby uh, for people out there that know that with a smart contract is that once you deliver the goods on site or you carry out whatever service you're doing, you're automatically paid. There's no back end invoicing. So what's going to happen is, and going forward, that all back-end invoicing administration, in 10 years from now, we're probably not even going to have an invoice. They'll be gone. There'll be no invoices in 10 years from now. You know, I saw Data Gumbo pop up there. You know, read what these guys are doing. Now, the big I've sat on stage with like ExxonMobil, Equinor, Shell, BP, all the key blockchain people for the big energy and oil companies. Mm-hmm. They're all super delighted with this technology because they're going to save anywhere between 8 to 12% of fixed costs. Mm. So what the blockchain is going to do is going to drive down cost. You know, there's going to be jobs going. There's just going to be new jobs getting created. I don't Correct. think with automation, it's then this is comes back to this universal basic income AmeriCoin idea is that there'll be jobs created in um, societies and cultures and different jobs to do with like, you know, right now people run little sports teams. You know, we, we don't value, this person gives their time maybe, you know, 20 hours a week because they're on the local sports team. People will end up getting paid to do that if we create a society whereby basic uh, income is actually achieved. I'm just saying basic income is going to be achieved through tokenization rather than universal basic income. But ultimately, in going forward, it, there's going to be a lot, automation is going to remove jobs and going to remove costs. And as long as that cost goes back to the consumer. Now, if you've got AmeriCoins and you have ownership of the asset that's actually getting rid of jobs, it's actually going to be in your benefit for this. I think people are afraid of automation, but it's actually going to make the world better in a certain way. What we can't do is we can't get people to retrain. You know, it's like coal plants in Kentucky. I actually own coal. Um, it's a reconditioned coal mine in Indiana. So it used to be a coal mine. It's like the weirdest bit of grass and all the mineral rights stuff. Like, well, I don't know the company wants to design for you. And it's in there. But if someone was a coal miner for 30 years and they go, well, we train them as a coder, you know, blockchain um, coder. Right. Like, that's right. never going to happen. You know, <laughs> you're taking me someone's job. It's just not going to happen. It's just like, you can't say that. Persons have understand that. It's just like, I'm not joking. That's true. It's just oh, like, oh, listen, just we, we understand that. We totally no, understand we, we, that. Listen, listen, you know, like, Felicia, can you speak on that? <laughs> I would say again, yes, we are not going to skill individuals that are not in that that purview to be technical. And again, this is not a technical prowess thing. We need a lot of different things will be business related, much more than the technological um, act- aspects of it. So this is where I think this comes in. But my question would be truly, how do you phase this in? This is where because we're doing things in parallel. So we're, we're already keeping the dollar. We're trying to incorporate 
this new sensibility, but at the same time, there needs to be a restructure of everything. And also the, the educational piece that we talk about all the time. So how do you plan on, again, the policy itself is phenomenal, but how do you actually implement that and scale that? It, it, it has to be driven by the government. That's, there's no other way. You know, the government need to buy into it and say they're going to do it. Because otherwise, people can put pressure on the government to do it. But the government's never going to basically volunteer this. So if, if, if you think of how this is going to happen, with the blockchain, it'll be like the internet. It'll be suddenly we're just going to keep using it more and more and more ways under this decentralized ledger technology. So in five years from now, we'll all be using the blockchain in the same way we use the internet. And we'll just be using it like we spoke about earlier, um, uh, you know, like in a car. It'll just be the technologies in place. In terms of the ownership of the asset, it really is just a case of providing people information, you know? It's just, that's this, it's like an education. Why the governments don't want to do it is because the more they open up to the blockchain, the more they become accountable. So right now, if you think of, so the blockchain is going to end the, the day of the dictator. So right now, if you think of dictators in Africa, you know, and the British are all been involved in military coups and switching governments and all this sort of stuff, you know. So basically what happens if you think of countries in Africa is there's a military coup, someone, a new president comes in, he gives everyone a sort of crappy in the government, you know, runs the thing into the ground, steals a lot of money, sticks it in Switzerland, 18 months, 36 months later, the same cycle happens again. In Iraq, it's been happening basically every 36 months since the Saddam Hussein. So each government comes in is more corrupt than the last government, you know. I know quite a lot about Iraq and a good reason. But that's basically how it's actually happening there. So what does the blockchain do? Well, in the past, people would just come in and steal land that you own. See, like right now, we all have rights, a lot more rights than them in terms of ownership. You know, you've got a passport, you've got a social security number, you've got a bank account. And a lot of these African countries, they don't actually have that. So they just, so the dictator comes in, steals their land, belongs to them. Right now, they've got technology using the blockchain where we're putting ownerships of farms in small little villages in Africa on the blockchain to show ownership. So when the next dictator comes in, tries to steal everything, you know, the UN can go, wait a minute, you don't actually own that. This guy owns this. Uh, we'll give it back to him. Otherwise, we're not giving you any money. And what will actually happen with this, and there's American companies already develop technology. There's one from San Diego that's developed this ownership on the blockchain that's doing this right now. But what we're talking about is the end of the day of the dictator. Now, you think, oh, well, there's dictators everywhere. But what the blockchain does by actually showing ownership through transparency, it stops this um, cycle, you know, and it might go through two, three, four more cycles of people, dictators coming in. But in 15 and 20 years from now, because of the blockchain, the day of the dictator, maybe the day of the dictator will have changed. It might, I don't think it'll end. There'll always be dictators, but it'll change because the, the ownership and the democratization of ownership, especially into countries where they don't have the, the same rights as you have in America, you know, all, all change as well. And, and that's the other thing. So if you're in the government, I'm saying I'm bringing a system in that's going to tokenize your government assets and it's actually going to have more transparency and hold you accountable. Do you want to vote for it? <laughs> Congress, it'll be the only time they all vote together, you know. Maybe AOC will vote just to be opposite. But the rest of them, what do you mean? Transparency, you've got to hold me accountable for my decisions and what I'm up to. Don't like the sound of that. They're but like really, nothing. the government is there to rep <laughs> represent the people. Right now, they say this, but how do we hold them accountable? We can't. 
you know, or it's very difficult. You know, there's investigative reporters to do that, but you and I would find out this information that easy. So that's the that's the other problem. So you've got to get the mass of the people to force the government to actually implement it. So why shouldn't the government be more transparent? You know, you're supposed to be the government and represent us. You're not supposed to hide stuff and not tell us things, you know? I think people just want to know that. It's not like we don't want to change how you operate. We want roads to be built. We want all the local government. We all want to do that. It's just parts of the federal government. We just know what you're up to. And, you know, and that's really what it is. So people think, well, that doesn't sound too bad. But if you're in the federal government and this is the way it's been working for the last 200 years, you know, <laughs> just because the Scottish guy said that, I'm not going to change it. You know, <laughs> you know what, you know what Alistair, i got to tell you something. You know, I, I am one of the biggest proponents of tokenization. Um, just I believe that that is the most transformative um, application of blockchain technology. Um, and, and I'm a big, you know, I, I, I do talk about the world's assets being tokenized. What, what is different, however, is I've always had that conversation in thinking about private assets. I have never considered um, public you know, federally owned assets themselves being tokenized. Um, yeah, well, that's why I'm involved in private asset tokenization. You know, everything I'm doing is just because I started doing this for AmeriCoin. It's just, why can't we just use the process there? And then it's really, you know, I've got good guys who advise me as well. So it's a lot of smart. It's not just me. I've got a lot of smart guys that help me. And so it's like, and they advise me and stuff. But, you know, when I first did this, you know, one of the the mind that he's got involved with the associates in Congress, he said, basically, you're writing a policy they're going to act in 2032. Think about it like that. Mm. You know, it's like people think, oh, how long is this going to happen? Like 2032. Hopefully, Andrew Yang watched the video and he's running. But, you know, I like that guy. <laughs> he could sell it to the people, you know. Yeah, he, he probably knows about this thing because he's there. But he, he basically broke the boundary for it to go through. And because of, when he got voted out, you know, a, but Democrats, I bet they wish they were running with him there. They voted him out. They tried to bring him back. And then they're bringing him back in the way they want. But you need to let a guy like that run with it. You know, and it's I like agree. all these Yang Gang guys follow him. They're super smart guys. It's not like I'm smarter than I'm Yang. It's like not a choice. It's like I'm speaking about something on a blockchain show with you guys with a limited audience. And we are talking about this next great leap of faith. You know, he's he's talking about universal basic income through some form of cryptocurrency, and people are like oh, I don't like the sound of this. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's like he's talking about automation, getting rid of your jobs, and he's looking for a way to look after you. Yeah. You know, that's really what the guy's about. You know, it's just you think of guys like Bernie Sanders and that. I think the ideology is the same. You know, I've got the same. I we both want the same thing. I've just got a different route to get there than him. You know. But he's 76. He's been involved in politics 40 years and fighting for people's rights all that time. He's not going to change just because he met me, basically, in his last run for office. <laughs> he's like, yeah, I'm going to get rid of socialism, capitalism under this blockchain organization. So that's not going to happen. You know, it's just if I met him five years ago, it wouldn't have made any difference because the technology wasn't in place. You know, it's just the technology here now. It's just it's, it's the technology change. People need to understand it. You know, that's why it's, well, I'm allowed to talk about this stuff today because of the technology of the blockchain. Two years ago, I couldn't even speak about stuff. That's how fast everything's changing for people, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yes. I mean, you know, and just even speaking about Andrew Yank, I mean, I remember like a year ago or so, him, you know, him on the base stage and, 
you know, of course, you see people on social media making fun of making fun of UBI and him. And then here it comes COVID. It strikes. And they're like within three months, almost implementing exactly what he was saying needed to be done. Um, and, and how quickly can time change like that? Yeah. And all I'm saying is that we want to take it one stage further and give people this asset ownership. And it's not about UBI. It's about give everyone one more opportunity to live the American dream. You know, this is the opportunity to give everyone a chance to live the American dream. You're talking about taking this asset and writing because so many people out there just pay rent. They don't have, they don't own a house. So if you're lucky enough to own a house, now if you don't own a house and then suddenly you own a house worth half a million dollars, now you don't actually own the whole thing. It's like 95% mortgage. So you're 5%. But in your head, your asset worth has gone up half a million dollars. Your credit goes up. Everything in your life changes because of this asset. And rather than every month you're paying off rent and you never get ahead, all you're doing is paying down this asset. Now, what happens is this asset goes up in value. So suddenly you're paying your mortgage just like you're paying your rent. And rather than being worth half a million, it's now worth 600000 700000 And here's the weird thing. The, the, it's increased an in asset. You've just been paying the same as we'd have done rent because you can actually own it. You can actually take my out of this asset. I can remortgage it. And I can take this remortgage, suddenly I've got 100 grand or 50,000. Just in your daily, in your monthly job, how can you save $50,000? Unless you're a lawyer or the doctor, it's pretty difficult to do, you know? So most people, they just, you know, everyone's living in this debt culture. Just basically, as long as I get enough money to pay off my credit cards, my bills, my car, my thing like that. And next month there, I'm coming in. When it's Christmas, for some reason, I like to borrow more money, <laughs> which screws me up for the next six months. And then basically it's next Christmas. And But if I've got a house, I've lived the same life, but in that 12-month period, I've paid off more of the asset and then I've got more money to spend. And my life's completely different to the person who can never do that for that for rent. And I'm thinking if you get this asset tokenization, you can take this and go, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to invest it and buy myself my house for the first time. And then suddenly it's like, basically the next thing you know and to me that to me that's that's what it, you know that's the key thing you know and it's just this opportunity and, and it's this way the government oh no one understand that's garbage all you have to understand is this asset belongs to you the technology wasn't in place for you to have access to it now through tokenization you can and it's just like and then I, and those guys can do it in five, Coinbase can do it in five days, Ledger can do it in five days. These guys already do it. It's like they can send an app to your phone. You can download it, you can click it, you can get the distributions, and then what we'll do with them, you can either keep them there, which I suggest you do, because you own this asset that makes money. But if you need to basically convert them to dollars and spend it or to yen or to Bitcoin or whatever you want to convert it to, you can convert it and spend it anyway. And, and, and that's and, and what happens if we do the whole lot and then, you know, 12.7 years from now, we've tokenized the whole lot. Well, you know, so what? It's better than it is right now. <laughs> At least you own the asset, you know, it's just like, why not? There's no, there's no point. There's, there's no downside in the argument. The downside is the government doesn't want to do it because once they do this, suddenly everyone will go, well, what else does the blockchain do? Calls you lot trans, you know, transparency. Wait a minute, what, what's Trump been up to since he started? You know, here's makes a list of everything else that's coming through. You know, it's just like, you know, let's hold the guy accountable for all the stuff he said. It's like because the media is changing stuff fast, 
It's like whatever they say in the media now, a few days later. I don't know if you've seen anything about the guy Dominic, Dominic Cummings in the UK. So the UK, Dominic Cummings is the advisor to Boris Johnson. It went to the expensive private schools like all these sort of Tory government guys do. Anyway, he's the guy telling you, like, you run away of your house, you've got to wear a mask, you can only go to the local store, and you can't visit your parents even if they live next door. But my wife's got coronavirus. I've potentially got coronavirus. I'm going to drive 264 miles and potentially infect everyone else with coronavirus so I can draw kids who might have coronavirus in my parents' house who are over 70 to actually risk this whole thing and drive back. And then everyone in America, UK is all going crazy about this thing. The guy to get sacked. And they're going, no, we can't sack the guy. You know, he's a good guy. He's done good work. It's like, what are you talking about? You're enforcing rules that basically, but we can't actually see what they're up to. So we get these whistleblower moments that we're unhappy with and we break. But really, if we could hold all these guys accountable for the decision-making process going forward, you know, it just means it's, and we're not going to check it every day. It's not like I'm going to blockchain and check what the government's up to. I'm basically just going to, you know, it's just we'll hold you accountable for your decisions. That's it. But holding the government accountable for the decisions is not something they want to do. You, you know what I mean, Dr. Keisha? So that's really, so that stops that plan coming through. And then if we tokenize the asset, um, it starts the blockchain process in government. So then again, we don't want to do that again, you know? So that's why the government's wanting to stop this uh, thing. But, you know, to me, it's like, it's going to happen anyway. It's going to be like 2032, 2036, it's going to happen. We're just speaking about it now because it's uh, it's topical because of COVID-19. If COVID-19 wasn't here, I'm speaking about Americon. People are just, I don't care what this guy says. You know, yeah. and, and you know, you're so right too. This is a tremendous opportunity for all these discussions, all discussions digital, because it's, uh, you know, we, we, we get it. We kind of get it now. And now we have a captive audience to uh, share this information with. Um, I don't know if you're watching the chat here, but people are like, you know, you're the brave heart of blockchain. president. <laughs> 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 I like that one. You might want to claim that. You might want to use Australian as well. Feel that one. That's the one. That's our gift to you. Exactly. Tweet that one right out. Perfect. But yeah, but that's basically it. You know, that's that's the way I think of this stuff. So it's just it's it's just you know I can shout it as loud as I can. It's like you know. It's, I was advised, if I go to the forest and shout loud, if no one's listening, no one will hear you. <laughs> so that's the problem. And it's like, how do you implement this? And it's easy to shoot it down. But I think people got to know about it and they're all at home and they're thinking, like, like, let's forget about the, the transparency piece. Let's all put that to the side. Let's just talk about ownership of this asset. I understand mm-hmm. that a third of land in America belongs to the government. But in actual fact, the government says it belongs to us. Until now, there's no technology to have ownership. Wait a minute, this guy says we can't have ownership through this thing, and all yeah. I need to do is learn how to use an app. You know, That's I'll it. tell you what, I'm going to learn how to do it. <laughs> yeah, it's it. definitely time to have those conversations because, like you're saying, they're you know, what's the holdup now? The, the light really shines on to the real issues, which is the, the lack of control uh, that folks you know don't want to relinquish. Yeah. So, you know, they don't want to relinquish any control. So, and then we can really get into some true issues of what's going on because the Technology is in place, as you've stated. Well, guys, we are at a, do we have any other questions out here? Because we are at an hour at this juncture. Um, We are good. 
Well, listen, everybody from the from the uh, comments I'm seeing in the chat, people are very pleased with this this um, chat we've had tonight with you, Alistair. Thank you so very much for your time. You've yeah, given no us a lot too. to think about. And um, we call Eric the, to the uh, titan of tokenization. So you are in good company. Uh, we will continue these conversations <laughs> and we will be in touch with you for sure to, um, you know, especially if you get on that political bandwagon, don't forget us, <laughs> you know. I'll just keep pushing the policy, you know. That's right. Help us with that. Absolutely. So with that, um, if we don't, oh, someone to ask a question. Do you have any videos? It says, do you have any videos? Um, yeah, we've got we've got a YouTube channel and then we've got a Facebook page. So a lot you of mentioned TikTok. You got TikTok somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> Americoin TikTok. So Americoin TikTok. You need to look at that. So, but this it gets quite political because I basically do take the news, do a little political one there. I do make fun of Republicans this, tomorrow today and then Democrats tomorrow. And then I keep doing that as I go along. And then I pop in and talk about America. And then I'm mm -hmm. trying to quote, uh, quote uh, Joe. Uh, so, it's, uh, so it's Biden 2020, Trump 2020, and JoJo 2020. Uh, I think people should get her on uh, to speak about stuff. I think she's a, she's a good person to bring out there to actually say there's a third point of view rather than just Trump and Biden. And I think people will like her. She's smart. You know, Dr. Joe's name, Dr. Joe Jorgensen. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, that's okay. my political bit there, you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank you so much. Thank you so very much. All right. Thanks so much for your time. This has been great. All righty, guys. Okay. Like Blockchain okay. Consultants, if you're not a, a member, please join BlackBlockchainConsultants.com. These are the kind of conversations we have. And if you are looking to learn about blockchain, use your, your quarantine time to learn more about blockchain, please, please, please visit BlockchainStudies.tech here um, where you can learn all about it. We've got a bundle that includes our membership and our Blockchain 101 course. Take advantage of it. Okay. Good night, everybody. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, that's great. Right. Thank you. Have a good night. Good night. Okay. Right.